0: This is the sweetest, sweetest victory ball. I have always believed in miracles.
1: If he wants to know what misogyny looks like. He doesn't need a motion in
0: the House of Representatives. He needs a mirror. 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 We will decide who comes to this country and the, the circumstances in which they come. Mirror. 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 We will decide who I comes to this country and the circumstances miracles. in which they come. come. Victory mirror. ball. Mirror. Mirror.
1: Mirror. Anyone, anyone for not turning up
0: is a bum. Welcome to the Bridget and Josh Show. I'm Bridget.
1: And I'm Josh. And this is the show where we talk about stuff we think young Catholics should care about.
0: This week we're back in the studio after a while away and it's really good to be here. Well, I guess we're not technically in a studio, Josh. Where are we?
1: Well, we are in, it's actually sunny, sunny Melbourne, mm-hmm. in the MGR Brothers Library in our formation house, the JP2 House of Studies. Oh, really? Which is really cool. Um, so, for the purposes of soundproofing and just general aesthetic, uh, we're wedged between two rows of bookcases.
0: Yeah, it's quite narrow.
1: Uh, it's very narrow. Um, true to form, uh, about two inches from my head, is six uh, books by Pope Benedict Sixteenth, which is very me. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any books you can see, Bridget, that take your fancy?
0: Oh, I've got Love and Responsibility, Ooh. which is a classic. Um, contemporary moral theology. I think all my stuff's moral theology
1: yeah, and ethics, which is big. You're on the moral theology side yeah. of I've got some sacraments over here, a lot of Christology. Mm-hmm. N.T. Wright. We love N.T. Wright. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, what else? There's a Ooh. lot of
0: big books that just say Jesus, which I suppose is fitting for yeah. where we are.
1: Well, that is for what the do. There's one here that's called Evolution and Guilt, which I'm just intrigued by oh. but might read that later, maybe and I finally found a book I've been looking for. Have you really? For a long time. It's mm-hmm. called The Lord.
0: The Lord.
1: I think it's about Jesus. No, it is. That by would be my guess. Romano Guardini, who mm-hmm. is a super duper cool theologian. Nice. You'd think from his name he was Italian, but he's actually German.
0: <gasps> I'm yeah. That does actually through me.
1: And he actually influenced uh, the work of uh, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope oh, Benedict. Very nice. So he, the OG, yeah. So Ratzinger would have read a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. in the seminary. Oh yeah. Uh, and then from there, he really shaped his theology. But anyway, this isn't an episode about uh, Pope Benedict and his theological beginnings. What is it an episode about, Bridget?
0: This week, we're going to be talking about the news and about things that have been happening in the news because it's been a big couple of weeks and there's been a lot to unpack, that's mm. for sure. So, Josh, what are you going to unpack for us?
1: Well, I'm hoping to, I mean, when I say I'm hoping to, I'm going to yeah. uh, talk a little bit about the election that happened in West, West. is it Western Australia? It's Western Australia. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. West Australia. That's, um, sorry for all the, all the people from the West who are listening, who I've just butchered the name of your state. Um,
0: Westest is bestest.
1: Yeah, well, um, I remember Marty Firth mm-hmm. uh, from Perth, which rhymes ironically. But he once told me this funny joke. He asked Josh, "Why do you think Jesus wasn't born in Australia?" I said, "Well, Marty, I'm not sure." What he
0: said, <laughs> <a lot> there.
1: <laughs> He said, "Well, because we couldn't find any wise men from the east."
0: Brutal. <laughs> which,
1: uh anyway, so I, I want to talk a bit about the WA election. Yeah. What are you What are you hoping to talk about?
0: I'm going to be unpacking a bit about JobKeeper because it's wrapping up on the 28th of March and it's unclear what's coming next. So um, that means that in the news, there's been a lot of kind of reflection and analysis about how it's worked, what worked well, what could be done better and what's coming in the future.
1: Yeah, cool. And so, JobKeeper, that was the um, economic stimulus thing, money given yeah. to help companies pay their employees. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, it was yeah, one cool. of a
0: couple of stimulus things that happened. So, other stuff included like everyone on Centrelink Payments ended up getting more money, which was yeah. very nice. Um, so, whether that was parenting payments or youth allowance or um, JobSeeker as well as JobKeeper, lots of nice rebranding, rhyming titles mm. happening. Um All of those things, everyone got a bit of a boost, which was really nice. But yeah, JobKeeper was the big one because it connected um, government money to businesses specifically rather than individuals. And that was one where it was like, here's a wage subsidy of about $1,500 per fortnight. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Cool. Well, I reckon... That sounds a bit more interesting than my thing. So mm. we might get the uh, might eat the vegetables of the election politics before we get onto the the Desert. juicy, meaty dessert all in one. I don't know if I'd want my meat and my dessert mixed in together, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So WA, Western Australia, as yes. I now remember is the proper mm-hmm. title. Um,
0: What's been happening well, over West? Ha- well, a lot has
1: been happening over West. Uh, so on the 13th of March, so we're recording this on the... Nineteenth, right? So yep. last Saturday. Yeah. Um. Yeah. WA went to the polls. Went to their nice. uh, as normally scheduled uh, election. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be four years. I think. Yeah, that's right. Because I remember the, I was living in this house that we're in at the moment, and mm-hmm. that I lived here in two thousand and seventeen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they went to the polls for the mm-hmm. state election, and so you had the first term. Mark McGowan-led mm-hmm. Labor government. Uh, big which, first term. Big first term and, you know, experiencing sort of unprecedented success in opinion polls.
0: My favorite word, but used in a positive this time.
1: What, unprecedented or yep. opinion polls?
0: Ah, uh, unprecedented, that's Op- for sure.
1: <laughs> opinion polls is two words. Um, I was going to make a joke about them being Malcolm Turnbull's favorite word until they weren't his favorite word anymore, but we won't go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, Mike McGowan was going up mm-hmm. against uh, the WA Liberals led by first-term MP and millennial, oh. Zach Kirkup. So the first millennial to lead a political party to an election in Australia. Yep. Um, fear not, millennials. It probably won't go the same for you as it went for Zach, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So as is with all things in the world at the moment, this is a really interesting election because it was mm-hmm. within the lens of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so what we've kind of seen a little bit, uh, at least around Australia, is state governments that go to elections yep. in COVID-19, you know, last year and then this year, they're doing really well. Yep. You know, Andrew Barr was returned to, I think it was the fifth term that the ACT Labor Party has been in power in the ACT. Yeah, and, um,
0: it's been about... 15 years or something, coming we have elections every couple of years? So. Yeah, exactly,
1: right. So, Andrew Barr, mm-hmm. you know, a big victory and the Liberals got kind of decimated. Yep. A uh, big surge in the Green vote there. There's a lot to unpack in that, which we don't have time to. Anastasia Palaszczuk, um, people weren't sure how it should go, but she, yep. again, she, she was returned. That's up um, in Queensland. Up in Queensland, that was reasonably comfortably. So, um, so you've got this WA election and it's really interesting because you've got um, – One of the, I guess, the first thing that makes it really fascinating is just Mark McGowan's unprecedented, there it is again, his unprecedented popularity, right? Yeah. And so for us Easterners on the eastern states, Mm -hmm. um, it's probably a bit hard for us to understand why he's so popular. Yeah. Especially the amount of criticism he's coming for from, you know, Canberra, from Sydney, from even from parts of of Melbourne as well. Um, And I think it's it's accurate criticism. Mm -hmm. I'm quite happy to put that out there. Yeah. regarding his very strict and you know very draconian border policies um and just how firm and how hard he went on closing the borders and even the rhetoric used in the last couple of months around whether they can continue with those Mm -hmm. um, and they won't be able to it's you know the constitution's pretty clear about that we again we don't have time to go into that but um you know so and even at one point um I remember being very frustrated when uh, when I was in Sydney over the holidays we had the the uh, northern breaches outbreak. Oh
0: yeah, I remember that. And
1: um the health minister from West Australia, Western Australia came out and said, "Well, you know, Sydney could take a leaf out of Perth's of WA's book." And I thought, "Well, you guys are actually just closing your border and not doing anything. So mm-hmm. don't tell us, you know, we're actually getting people from WA" Into the country because New South Wales is taking way more, it's taking about eighty percent of the international arrivals. So, um, and we we can't close off to the rest of the world and the rest of the country like you guys have. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're not going to go into that. But the point being is that Mike McGraw is not that popular on the east coast. Yeah, generalized statement, but kind of true. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, as unpopular his as as unpopular as his border policies have been mm-hmm. over here they've been really popular in WA and i mean in a certain yeah. sense they've worked in that WA's kind of been able to maintain a pretty normal way of living in mm-hmm. the midst of uh, the pandemic um part of that i think is also that the the east first uh, sort of the west versus the rest kind of mentality that exists yeah. in perth they yeah. kind of like being kind of outspoken and mm-hmm. being the outsider and um and that's it's sort of something that generally underlies WA's political rhetoric mm-hmm. you know you you look Uh, the mining boom for example oh true constant back and forth around the gst which comes out every so often so um so all of that what that what showed in the popularity of those policies is is mcgowan had numbers in the high 80s in terms of him being the preferred premier wow against yeah the high so um Peter Gutswan, I think his name is, Gutswan mm-hmm. from Tasmania. He was the highest. I think he was in yeah. at 91 or 92% at one point. Um, but McGowan was kind of right up mm-hmm. there. I think he might have been – I think they called him Mr. 93% at some point because yep. he was 93% either approval or preferred premier or whatever it is against Kirk Kirkup, right? You know, so he was really popular. And then you have this poll coming out on the 21st of February from News Paul, I think it was, um, saying that, okay, well, we've done a, we've done a polling – and it's uh, our poll says that WA Labour's gonna get 68% of the two party preferred mm-hmm. vote, which is the vote after after, after primary vote. Votes are then yep. um, allocated, and, uh, the preferences are allocated, and then you get a, a raw two party yep. preferred number. Well, it's not raw, it's whatever the opposite of raw is, but you yep. know what I mean, right? And so, freshly cooked, freshly cooked.
0: <laughs> Here's our freshly cooked data, it's still sizzling. <laughs>
1: Season to perfection mm-hmm. um, You know And It sounds like a big number And I th- I, what kind of Puts that in perspective Is when we look at Landslide elections When you look at You know Labor's victory in 2007 Federally When you look mm-hmm. at John Howard's victory in 96 You look at um, Barry O'Farrell Leading the New South Wales Liberal Party To their victory Over New South Wales Labor in 2011 yep. You're looking at 54, 55, 56 Maybe 57% of the pro- Of the two party Preferred mm-hmm. vote and they're the landslide victory. So if you think, yep. okay, well, what's 68% going to get you? Yeah. It kind of points to a complete obliteration, right? And so yep. you've got this really popular premier. And then the flip side, you've got the WA Liberal Party, which at least federally is the mm-hmm. dominant party. You know, the vast majority of seats in WA are represented by the coalition. Um, a party up until four years ago, Colin Barnett was the premier, was really popular, mm-hmm. Suffer a... Even then, they suffered a landslide defeat to McGowan, reduced yep. to 14 seats. Mm. Um, and then you have them in, at some point last year, towards the back end of last year, I think it's Lisa, Lisa Harvey was the leader. Mm-hmm. She's replaced by this young guy, Zach Kirker. Yeah. 34, first term in parliament. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so... Uh, and even when he was let, a lot was made that he was actually only there because of the Im- the influence of two upper house uh, members in the in what the, what they call the Legislative Council. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the Senate, but in, in WA it's called the Legislative yep. Council. He was kind of supported by these two power brokers who some people saved, basically control most of the Liberal Party over mm-hmm. there. I'm not sure whether that's true, but that's the claim. You throw that together with McGowan's popularity the success i guess they they've had at least politically mm-hmm. uh against covid-19 and this young guy and this party which is is you know if mike, if mike McGowan's only 80% of the vote yeah. in terms of preferred premier there's not a whole lot left for for for, for Kirkup, right yeah. and so then this poll comes out to say it's 68 32 chief party preferred which is ridiculous we would think surely that can't quite be replicated yeah and the next thing, you know, Kirk comes out and says, oh, we're going to lose the election, yep. so we need to hold Labor to account. No political leader had ever done that before. Mm. You know, the next thing you know, they kind it's of look It's a big concession. Yeah, it's a massive concession. Then they're looking for votes, so they go, okay, well, we're going to take a policy to go completely green within mm. a certain amount of time and, mm-hmm. and get rid of our reliance on coal, thinking, oh, we might be able to snag some mm. some centrist voters back yes. or some you know some progressive liberal voters back, you know. And so all this is sort of happening mm-hmm. then you go okay well what actually happened you know come on tell us what happened josh yeah, right but yeah.
0: um the data. give us the yeah well this data. landslide yeah. which
1: we all thought wasn't possible basically was replicated wow <laughs> yeah labor so there's 59 seats in the legislative assembly yeah so the lower house 59 seats so yeah. labor picked up 52 probably going to get to 53 the liberals were reduced to two. Oh my gosh two seats nationals will get forced. So the nationals will actually become the opposition party. Yeah, wow. So there's only two Liberals, one in, in, in the seat of VAS, I think, V-A-S-S-E, and the yep. other in Cottesloe, which was Colin Barnett's old seat. He's yep. not in Parliament anymore. So the complete Liberal heartland of North Perth absolutely decimated. Yeah,
0: wow.
1: You know, over two con- consecutive elections, but especially yep. this one. You know, I mean, what puts it in perspective mm-hmm. is in, you know, in modern politics now, most political parties even the ma- obviously the major parties really struggle to get anywhere near 50% of the yeah. pr- of the primary vote. Yeah. In, you know, so parties, generally see parties going to win on 41 42% of the primary vote and then um, preferences sort of flow through yeah. after yeah. that. To
0: back
1: them up a bit. Um the Labour Party at the moment following their counting postals and Labour are getting favourable postals so this will probably go up. Yeah. The Labour Party is on 60% on the primary vote.
0: That's just unheard of, really. Yeah. Like that's no, yeah. That almost gives them like a crazy amount of power as well to just be like, well, everything we're gonna do is popular. So, and what what well, that going right. impacts exactly. Are
1: gonna be? Like you know, and they they'll win control of those with council at the moment. Yeah. It's predicted they'll get twenty three of the thirty nine seats, so they're okay. gonna have an absolute majority across both houses of parliament. Yeah. But even things around committee membership, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. shadow portfolios, yeah. um. How how possible is it really to for the Liberal Party? Oh, I guess the National Party because they're going to be the opposition, right? But yeah. even for these two parties, you have them together, you can still put them in a trago. But yeah. um, how are they actually going to be holding government to account? And they'll be able to do it in the upper house, but really in the lower house mm. 52, 53 to six. It's gonna be the spread.
0: Are they even gonna fit in like a party room? Like fifty three people is a lot of people. Well,
1: they might just have to do the party room in the parliament, tell the other guys to, to nick off for half an just hour, I don't like know. But um
0: you guys go have your little tea party and we'll yeah. just <laughs> make some decisions.
1: And that's and it and it's just like you know, the Zach Kirk, he lost his seat by yep. about I think fifteen percent. He's down wow. to it was, you know, 64, 36 or something. So Um, it's just a decimation. So it's really, it's fascinating. Mm. Um, I usually kind of watch elections. I was out, so um, I didn't watch it this time. I mean, Anthony Green called in about half an hour, so when 0.7 of the vote had been counted, which I think is a new record. So, um, But it's really interesting to see how the COVID-19 reality is kind of shifting how politics is kind of unfolding Mm. in the country. Compare it to, say, um, you mm. look at what happened in the U.S., I mean, it's much more complicated. Mm. Yeah. But a lot of people said, okay, well, one of the things that influenced uh, Biden's victory was just how bad the pandemic was mm. in the U.S. Obviously, at the time, they they just passed 200,000 people dead. Now, you know, there are well over half a million people, yeah. but... But then you look in WA; they've had hardly any cases. They've had mm-hmm. a reasonably successful border policies, at least internally. I think externally, yeah. there's issues in terms of how that fits in with a, feder- with a, with a, a federated country like Australia. Yeah. Um, and but it just shows, you know, you look at you look at the ACT, you look at Queensland, now you look at WA. No wonder that Tasmanian Premier is sort of getting itchy feet and going, "Well, yeah. oh, maybe we should go early." go to an election he's probably equally if not more popular than mm-hmm. the tasmanian system is a little different they use the Hare clerk system like they use in the act yep. so it's much harder to get the sort of majority that you're seeing yep. um happen in wa and and whatever but so it's really interesting um and then just on the flip side you look what's happening federally yeah most new, most uh pol- opinion polls have the coalition the labor Fifty fifty, neck and neck. Mm. It's interesting. Well why is it that in I mean even in Australia we're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. But why is it that only state governments are seeming really popular? I mean New South Wales it's the same. Mm. Um there was some polling leaked the other day showing Jodie McKay's numbers are really low. There's mm-hmm. starting to be some agitation for her to be removed yeah. and to be replaced. Um and, you know, Gladys Berejiklian seems extremely popular, at least on the polling. Mm. But why isn't that being? Why isn't that translated to the federal reality? To yep. the, to our federal politics? Yep. Why is it that Scott Morrison isn't ach- achieving the same sort of popularity? Partly is it because of the fact that most COVID communication, most COVID policies, in terms of uh, what's happening in terms of contact tracing, yep. uh, quarantine, all yep. that sort of stuff, border policies are all happening on the state level?
0: Yeah, those all those decisions were brought further down instead of from a federal playbook. Mm. They were made by the local leaders.
1: Yeah. And so, but whether, and then, and then there's an equal uh, sort of uh, critique of mm-hmm. saying, okay, well, quarantine actually is a federal issue and that's been handballed to the states. Yeah. The COVID app kind of failed. Yeah. Whereas the Service as New South Wales app, for example, is going gangbusters about how they're able to stick, trace and Yeah, yeah, and checking CBR, we've got it
0: everywhere. Yeah.
1: And it's working and it's, yeah. you know, you look at what um, the New South Wales government did with the Northern Beaches outbreak... Uh, over christmas really tricky time because people's movements are very unpredictable because Mm -hmm. it's the holidays and want to travel and want to see family
0: yeah and especially given the year that they'd had everyone was like really keen to be finally seeing people for christmas and then
1: yeah it was um but you know i having spent the year in lockdown well not the year in lockdown what felt like the year in lockdown here in victoria yeah at least four or five months in lockdown in victoria Going up, and it, the outbreak basically was announced and kind of started the day I arrived in Sydney. So oh, wow. <laughs> after I got over the PTSD of it all, I actually felt quite safe and content there because yep. the government just seemed like they knew what they were doing, and they did—they yeah. got it all in control. Yep. And within the six weeks, I was able to get back here to Victoria mm-hmm. on a green, on a green light permit or whatever yep. it is—a green zone permit—just to show how quickly they got it got under control. So it, it's yep. interesting seeing how the state government seemed to have be really getting stuff done really well, yeah. yet I guess the appearance is the federal government isn't seeing the flow and effects of that mm. and that sort of stuff. So it's anyway, it's sort of interesting. So yeah, but that's it, WA election, Mike mcgrown has got a whole lot of power. So it'll be interesting to see, especially once vaccines are rolled out and mm. we sort of get hopefully into some sort of more extended COVID normal reality, whatever that looks like towards the end of this year into mm. next year. What are they going to do? What are the priorities going to be and how are they going to govern? And even what's the flow-on effect going to be at the next federal election, whether that's this year or the start very of next clear. year, that you've got a uh, a party in WA that has a whole lot of federal members but yep. has very little on-the-ground organisational ability because they've been decimated in the state parliament. Mm. So it's going to be interesting. There's lots of things that will flow from it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for that, Josh. That's very informative, very... Uh, Thought-provoking, I guess, for the future of what um, state and federal politics is going to look like. Um, What was really interesting was you were talking about the federal versus state response. And one of the major federal responses was the JobKeeper payment. And um, I guess the handling of that has definitely impacted the way Mm. that people are looking at the Liberal Party and at the government. Mm. um, Because that was a big federal thing. That wasn't up to the states. The states got kind of the... um, I guess like the some of the other duties really. Mm-hmm. Um, but because welfare and that kind of thing is a federal responsibility yeah. that got taken from the top. So, um, just a little bit of background. I'm sure we've all heard about JobKeeper, but some quick facts about what it was. So it was a wage subsidy. Well, it is a wage subsidy that will be finishing on the twenty eighth of March. Um, but it was paid by the federal government with taxpayer money to employers. Um and it was up to employers to distribute those funds accordingly to their employees. And it was done that way so that way people were still connected to their employers. Like employees were still employed by their employers instead of. How many times am I going to say the word "employ"? This is chaos. But 45 Forty-five. <laughs> we'll have to keep a tally. <laughs> um, so it was made so it was done that way. That way in employers would be able to still be in charge and responsible for their employees so that they weren't just like oh i'm in no man's land just receiving government money mm. um because that way like it was done that way mostly because we were unsure of how long anything was gonna last it was so unclear this time last year when they started formulating and yeah. releasing these policies everyone was kind of like was, where is this gonna go it
1: was chaos yeah
0: one of my favorite things one of my favorite like big unknown questions was there was suddenly this um, article in the Canberra Times about the Canberra ice rink being used as a morgue, (laughs) which is pretty morbid. But that was because that had always been Canberra's, like, if there's ever such a disaster, disaster plan. And then someone pulled it out of some old, you know, book of policies and was like, guys, this could happen now. But, like, obviously, that was never... it was never going to get that far.
1: Were they like excited by the prospect? Like
0: it just was this like fantastical thing where everyone was like, "What if it's the ice rings of oh mock? What gosh. if it's
1: more? the one in Philip? Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh the my like the
0: skating and ice swimming oh. and ice skating centre. You'd never go, you'd, like, you'd never
1: be able to go back for ice oh. discos ever again. No. Oh.
0: None of our youth group outings would ever happen. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. But this was the chaos that we were yeah. living in in March last year hmm. where no one knew what was going to happen or how long things were going to be opened or closed or what level it was going to be at. And it was all just so unknown. So they wanted people to stay connected to their places of employment, to their businesses, whether that was big or small, because they were like, we want you to be able to still go back to that job at the end of it. We don't want to just be like, here's random. You were employed, but not employed anymore, but still kind of our employed money. Um that then would disconnect people from where they work, because they wanted people to be able to go back to where they were working if eventually things chilled out a bit. So in theory, that's okay. I have some problems with that because, you know, I I think that you should keep it on like the smallest level and using the principle of subsidiarity should go to people instead of to employers and that distribute their funds. But they made their decisions based on things that aligned with liberal values and that was great they did great basically they saved us from this being a complete economic disaster like it hasn't been as bad as it absolutely could have been because people got money and then they were able to use that money and spend that money and keep the economy rolling over even if they were in lockdown even if things were chaotic um it it did what it was meant to do however (gasps) i know i love a Da, da, da. Ooh, where's it going to go? Um, so it did save us from complete disaster. Um, and it saved a bunch of businesses and it saved, you know, 700,000 jobs. I don't know. It started with a seven. 7,000 seems too small. Hmm. 700,000 maybe seems more of
1: Wouldn't it be 7 million, surely? It'd be no, there ended
0: up being about 3 or 4 million people who were on JobKeeper.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, so if it saved seven million. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save multiplication of the loaves pounds. and fishes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with seven hundred thousand. Yeah, that right sounds here.
0: about right. Look, someone can fix facts. Yeah, check let me. us know. Yeah, if, if we're it. if we're
1: massively wrong,
0: i got all the numbers in my brain, and they just yeah. have you know. Anyway, but it was a bit of a like quick and dirty policy because they were like, we need a yeah. stimulate the economy somehow and we need to save all of these businesses and jobs. and
1: Which people. on one level you can kind of understand. Yeah,
0: exactly. But it did mean that there wasn't a lot of acknowledged foresight. Like They probably could see it coming. There were a lot of criticisms when the policies were first released about the fact that there was like no real way to track how that money was actually going to be spent and whether it was actually going to go to wage subsidies and supporting individuals instead of just... Being tucked under beds by employers and by businesses. And that's exactly what happened. It turns out potentially up to like between ten and twenty billion dollars. Billion dollars. With a B? Yeah, with a B.
1: B for banana.
0: Yeah. Truth. B for bridged billion. Could have gone to um companies that have made more profit during the pandemic.
1: And they were meant to, it's only if you've lost revenue, right? Yeah. So it was meant to be
0: for business who thought, and obviously it was all kind of hypothetical, worst case scenario. How much of your business do you think is going to be collapsed by this? So one tier was like for smaller businesses was, are you going to lose more than 30% of your revenue? And then the other tier was for bigger businesses. And that was if you were going to lose more than 50%. Hmm. So if you thought your cafe or your florist or your, travel agency or whatever was going to lose more than 30 percent of your revenue because you were closed and it was chaos then you could apply for job seeker Hmm. job keeper Keeper. sorry seekers for the individuals different
1: and so by the time they but by the time they rolled out you'd had at least at least a month or so hadn't you and so they could even sort of because i remember they were kind of saying we actually kind of if you can show us yeah You know, that'll help us, you know, you you can kind of have an idea if this is actually going to impact you or not.
0: Yeah. So then after the first quarter had passed um, where people were receiving job, where businesses were receiving JobKeeper, Hmm. then they were like, okay, give us your stats, give us your details. And that's when they started doing some of the reform on the policy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, in the end, some of these, some really big businesses have been taking money and have been using that to pay their ceos literally million dollar bonuses for the end of last year and that money the like 10 to 20 billion dollars that went to companies that have turned a profit and that and it's not small profits either like it's okay if your business turned out it wasn't as disastrous as we thought because none of this was as disastrous as we thought like it's fine you're allowed to earn money like that's not a bad thing just give us the money back right just yeah But there's no plan for them to give the money back. There's Uh. no plan for there to be any kind of transparency in how that money was spent, or even who it went to, how many employees it went to. Like None of that data is recorded. And that money could have been used to fund JobKeeper for another six months. We wouldn't have had to end on March 28th. We could have kept going for another six months for businesses who really needed it. So, for example, businesses in Cairns or whatever, who are still... Like yeah. on edge because they rely a lot on international tourists. And even though we've got our new domestic tourist travel plans, that's yeah. half price airfares. That's not actually helping people who run scuba diving businesses in Cairns mm. or who, you know, run hike shops in Tassie or even places I was seeing on the ABC. Um, someone, like, their business was to organize homestays for kids doing exchanges in high school because you can't just, like, chuck a 17-year-old in a hotel, but you could place them with a family because they have no idea when things are going to be different. They could have used another six months' worth yeah. of money and maybe some cafes down the road in Canberra wouldn't because we've, you know, escaped the worst of it and we're back up and running.
1: I mean, I was saying to you, if, if I can jump in, Bridget, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah. I spoke a lot and I'm monologued, so I feel bad about jumping in, but we were talking before about mm. some friends of mine who uh, they work in international travel. And right, and so this new tourism thing, oh, this is slightly off topic, but this new tourism have announced of so this mm-hmm. discounted, you know, airline tickets, which I think just gets more money for the airlines, but I won't go there. Um, yep. You know, they could really do a job JobKeeper, expand it for another six months until they can actually start looking at the possibility of getting back to international travel. Mm-hmm. They don't do it domestic travel. That's not their market. They're an international yep. travel agency, I guess you could call them that. Yep. And they're, you know, there's nothing.
0: Nothing for them all. in that yeah. and JobKeeper
1: would be really good for them for the next six months. Yeah. Anyway, I just, yeah.
0: Even as like another six months to reevaluate things where they are to now that interior borders are open to be yeah. like, oh, maybe we can do some fun, interesting hmm. things internally and organize yeah. fun packages. It's just instead that money has gone to uh, shareholder dividends, which is like people earning profits off their shares, which in and of itself, not terrible, hmm. is pretty terrible if you've been in a pandemic and people don't have enough money to survive yeah. or like they are losing their jobs. One other big issue was with it was that if you have more than one job, you could only be getting job keeper from one of your employers. I don't know that many people who are my age, let alone people who are older than me or who are in more complicated situations than me, who have less than one job right like you're either unemployed or you're underemployed so you're working two or three casual shifts a week at different places like the casualization of the workforce and underemployment were not really addressed by this policy and they continue to remain unaddressed by this government and by any of the kind of stimulus packages that are coming out because that is a major issue that then led to COVID outbreaks Hmm. people were working multiple jobs and then got COVID at one and then you know jumped it around everywhere else like that's an actual health issue for us now rather than just an economic issue or rather than just a welfare issue like this is getting bigger than it ever needed to be because there hasn't been the support for businesses or for people working multiple jobs um so yeah some of the major issues have been that there's uh no transparency and that there's no um I guess alignment on the way that the this has been handled and the issues with it have been handled. For example, they're not mandating that any of the money that was used by profitable companies be paid back. You don't have to be like, oh, we didn't actually need JobKeeper. Here's the JobKeeper cash back so that, that can go into anything else.
1: This mm. is the same
0: government that did robo debt and scared a whole bunch of people into giving back their overpaid that was in quote marks, but you can't see it because it's a podcast. Centrelink payments right Mm. like you have to be so specific if you're receiving any kind of welfare about how much money you already have now how much money you're paying for rent how much money you're paying for food each week like anytime I have tried to receive money from anyone whether that's like um, a uni scholarship or Centrelink or whatever I have to give them like a detailed budget of how I'm going to be using that money. That principle has not been applied at all in this situation to these multi-billion dollar companies who have taken money from the Australian people and have not used it well. Like, in and of itself, this has been a great policy. It's great to stimulate the Mm. economy like this. It's great and it's saved people's jobs, saved people's livelihoods, all that. But people have misused it. And that's not the, you know, mum and dad shops down the corner. That's the big million dollar companies who have seen this as a chance to store up and hoard their money instead of using it to stimulate the economy properly, which was exactly what they were supposed to do, right? They've misused it. And the worst bit is that, like, Australians are going to be the ones who pay for that later because our services will get cut later to make up for the money that we have been paying people so that they could get through this pandemic. Or, like, taxes will get higher so that we could make up for the debt that has come from the yeah. job keeper payments. Like mm. this, the people who mess this up are not being held accountable to it because they're businesses rather than individuals, but mm. individuals would be held accountable. Yeah. So anyway, it makes me mad. Yeah, no. And it's sure. unjust.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I think, um, you know, I mean, I was reading... I think it's The Killing Season, so it's the book Sarah mm-hmm. Ferguson put out after she'd done the the documentary on the, you know, Captain Roger Julie Gillard thing. Yeah. Um, and I think Barry Cassidy wrote a book around about the 2010 election campaign. Anyway, and both of those are talking around yeah. the stimulus package out of the GFC. Yeah. And we kind of saw similar things, you know, in it not similar in the sense that um, – some really good policies and really good ide- and really good sort of responses and the best way. I mean, I think you know, and you've acknowledged this. I think JobKeeper on the whole has been a really successful program. Oh, it's been incredible. That's why we want to keep it going. Yeah. Um, so this isn't about sort of you know jumping up and down on um, on the Morrison government. It's oh, definitely. Not. You guys have actually done a really good job here, mm. but
0: especially in comparison to other countries yeah. that like still have not had any oh, kind of support. 100%. percent. Like, we've we've done incredibly well given the circumstances, but we yeah. want it to be done. Even more, even even more well. That's yeah. No, roll with it. Roll with it. You know, we can do it better, Mm. and we deserve it to be better.
1: Exactly, and that's why you look at you sort of go. Well, look, we're actually. It's it's not. And this is. I think this is probably true of what I mean. I've seen a lot of what Jim Chalmers has been saying. Mm. You were saying Andrew Lee has been really. Oh yeah, his vocal for it. It's great. Um, They're not kind of saying that. I mean, there's probably a bit of political gotchaism. Yeah. um, Not botchalism, (laughs) gotchaism. In and around it. But mm. there's probably the thing about that We actually just want this to be done really well. Yeah. Um, and whatever the politics of it what we'll stuff that. This is mm. a pandemic we probably should be able to put politics aside to a certain extent. Anyway, yeah. but it's a, it was a similar thing at the GFC. They had things around pink bats and... Some, I mean, the building education revolution was actually quite good, I think. But there was, you know, all this and, – and you've got to throw money out. You've got to make these decisions yeah. really quickly to mm-hmm. try and stimulate the economy. And that's fine. Yeah. But it's about being able to have the, I guess, the political humility, which is very hard in today's – I mean, if the, oh, yeah. if the government was to come out and say, oh, actually, you know, this hasn't gone well, there will be slammed from pillar to post about it. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's part of the – I have with all this sort of stuff. Mm. But um, but even if you don't... Look, even if you don't want to mention it, but just fix it anyway, like yeah. it's kind of have the political humility to recognise, okay, well, we actually constantly need to be addressing this on a yeah. run. And I think that's the frustrating thing. Mm. And especially exactly what you're saying. I have friends that were chased up with robo-debt. Yeah. And they, it was... A, the amount of anxiety and mm-hmm. stress and mental health crises that came up some you know people that you know ended up taking their own lives around um some of that sort of stuff mm. is tragic, you know and it 's these competing standards yeah. you know that okay, and you know no one's saying robotette was the right thing, even the government saying it was the wrong thing yeah exactly, so it 's not about saying, well you know let 's go after big business, yeah, but actually going, hey, look. Let's actually at least provide the means for them to be able to, okay, well, give us the money back yeah. and you should give us the money back because yeah. um, it's not yours. Mm. If you've succeeded, if you've done well within the pandemic, then the yeah. money isn't for you. Yeah, It's for the people who haven't, people who have lost homes, who have yeah. lost jobs. who have, And that's going to be the interesting thing. A friend of mine uh, was saying to me the other day, he, you know, the economy seems to be doing really well. But come the end of March, that's Mm. when we're going to start seeing the difference because what's going to happen when JobKeeper ends? Mm. You know, what's going to happen in the economy, with unemployment? Anyway, yeah.
0: So we'll see what happens. Maybe in the next couple of days, they'll announce something exciting where um, people who are still kind of hanging on cliff edges for it will be able Mm. to um, have a bit more clarity in what their future holds. But um, between now and then, we just have to... Hope for the best, I guess.
1: Yeah, but that's good. Thanks for um, I was a lot. Of, I was, I'd learn a lot from that, which I always do whenever you <laughs> share stuff. But that was yeah, like it's as you said, this is a podcast, it's not a video. Yeah. Uh, for half of what you were saying, I was sitting here shaking my head. So, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, if you um, want to learn any more about it, there's a couple of good um, things from the ABC podcast. I don't remember what it's called. I don't know. I just looked up JobKeeper on Spotify and I came up with a couple of good podcast episodes for different things. Yeah, cool. um, ABC had a lot of coverage on it. Um, Andrew Lee's Twitter had lots of great things, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was fun. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to unpack and a lot um, that can be done, I yeah. think.
1: Cool. And if there's any news things, any news articles or items in the news that you think we should love mm-hmm. for us to talk about, get in touch. Let us know. Send us uh, an email or a message on Facebook or Instagram, or yeah. talk to us. Or if you've got our number, text yeah. us. I'm not please giving give it us out. Us ideas. Yeah, please do because it's. Um, yeah, we would love to talk about the stuff you want us to talk about. So yeah, there you go. Well, I guess r- we'll
0: wrap up. Yeah, we've we'll probably <laughs> rant- we'll ranted thing. enough. Yeah. One day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh dear. well um yeah well thanks for listening if you've made it this far yep. <laughs> and um we it's, it's so exciting to be back um for another year well for our first full year and yeah. to be able to record and um yeah thanks to everyone who's uh, been on the journey thus mm-hmm. far and um hopefully uh we're going to have some in, some fun news uh in the next yeah. couple of weeks about uh, upcoming episodes and maybe even some guest speakers you mm-hmm. never know so uh so make sure to uh, to subscribe and, mm-hmm. uh, and and follow us and like us on the on your socials and yeah,
0: do the little interact things. Yeah, you know, all the Instagram people are like, make sure you save and send and DM or whatever. Yeah, all the that things, stuff. I got no idea. All stuff that you see everywhere.
1: I'm becoming but. I'm becoming very ir- irrelevant very quickly.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, keep in contact with us. It's been great to be back, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye.